Welcome, everybody. Back here at Vale of Sound, once again, with our regular Sunday interview. Um, and I think we got somebody here with us that more of you should know. And many of you have usually the chance to see them every year. I'm very, very happy to have Philip from Hexis here on the show. Philip, thanks for joining. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's a pleasure. And to explain my little uh, introduction, uh, Hexes is one of those bands which seem to take the Dylan kind of method, tour until you die. At least that's the way it seems very often. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> uh, Philip, yeah, you're, just, pretty you're much. just back from, from a tour across both American continents, if I'm right, correct? Yeah, so I mean, we went through for almost four months. We started with like three weeks in Europe. And then we went straight to Canada for three weeks, then South and Latin America for one month, and then into the US for five weeks. So, yeah, left the home in August and came home right for Christmas again. <laughs> that was like the longest run we have done so far. You came back right the day before Christmas, isn't it? Last year was on December 21, so I took a flight from New York on 22, and then I arrived back home on the 23. Oh so yeah, pretty much. That's dedication. That's <laughs> dedication. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know that you like to tour, but um, how stressful is it to be to be on the road for four months? It it really depends. Uh, you know, sometimes stuff goes smooth, other times stuff fuck up. Like I definitely feel like this tour with it now. Uh I don't know if you heard about it, but a drummer left the, the band in the middle of the tour. Yeah. So that was quite stressful to have to figure out uh drummers. I mean, literally a drama situation right like in the middle of the tour, like we figured out this same night as we had to play. So that made the tour quite stressful, but I don't know. I mean, usually if nothing too bad like that is fucking up, then I don't know. Like it's, I feel like if, if you just make sure that um, you as prepared as possible from home, like then obviously it makes the whole experience more chill, I will say. So maybe you can, you can guide us through that whole drummer situation did you have that feeling already at the beginning of the tour like ah some tensions or were the remaining members of the band struck dumbfounded uh i don't know i mean like i guess as the tour moved on there was definitely some tension starting so that kind of i guess when already is some tension going on, then spending a lot of time together, I probably can end up bad and then, yeah. So, but yeah, it's what it is, I guess, like, yeah. <laughs> and the solution that you now found, uh, how did you manage that? I mean, like, you still had literally dozens of shows to play. How did you do that? So, like, we figured out that a drummer left the band literally 20 minutes before we had to play. We could not find oh, him anywhere. Shit. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, we texted him where he was, and he texted us back that he was in the airport and he was leaving the tour. Uh, 
So that night, yeah, I know it sounds fucking insane. Everybody that I told this story is like, ah, this can't be real, but yeah, it actually is. Uh, so yeah, 20 minutes before we had to play, we found out that he had left the band and he was in the airport. Uh, that day we were not supposed to headline. There was another band after us. So we asked the band playing after us if we could switch around. So we will play at our spot and we will play after them. So that gave us like one more hour or so to run on. So in that hour, then our bass player was um, setting up the drums as a backing track. So we still could play that day. So we played like with all the drums programmed and we had the five more shows after that and then uh well we played these shows then um the drummer from the band we toured with he learned a couple of our songs and the guitarist from that band who is also a drummer he learned a couple of songs as well so the last two three weeks of the u.s dates we uh had these two guys from the other band splitting the set so we kind of kind of made it work and, and I would say you're in back a home. few of the shows. Yeah, you go on. What, sorry? You go on. You go on first. No, no, just saying that some of these shows where we played the drums as a backing track, it kind of worked because, you know, there was a pretty decent PA at the venue, but we also had two uh, venue, we also had two shows and more like punk DIY spots with really shitty PA and especially one of them. I think we have never sounded this bad uh in these 1000 plus shows the thing is like usually we always make it sound okay whatever spot we play at but trying to play the drums through the most small destroyed pa ever it i mean it was it was it was a tough one i will say but uh yeah <laughs> and now you're you're back home and yeah, it was interesting you're searching for a drummer right Not really. I mean, to take an example, actually, for for such a long time, you know, this band had been just like me and Luca, a bass player. So it was not like we have been used to just like being the two of us and then having different stand-in members. Uh, and I mean, I guess at some point we would like to have a permanent drama again, but it's not like we, how to say, really is like searching that, oh, we need to have one because you know we we have a lot of people who want to help out with filling in for us and everything but it, it definitely feels hard to find somebody who want to i mean you know to be in this band you literally have to dedicate your whole life to it it's not like the most other bands where you go out and tour a few weeks out of the year like with this band you know we are on the road for usually more than 200 days a year and when we're not a touring uh, and we are home there's still a lot of band stuff to do like to take an example like after i came home from the tour you know i had some days off but then i've just been sitting doing mail work recording some uh, demo vocals and literally in two weeks we're gonna meet up for a week just to write so even if there's no shows for one and a half month we still have so much stuff to do up to up till the next run so Literally, to be in this band, you have to dedicate your whole life to it. And I think a lot of people uh, is not up for doing that. They want to do a lot of other things with their life as well. Have you ever thought about having, how should I say, having drummers or, yeah, separate drummers for different 
areas of the globe. I'm, I was just thinking of Boy Sets Fire, who have who have a bass player for the US and a bass player for Europe. Uh, could you imagine doing something like that as well? Or do you say like, ah? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I guess so. To take an example, like, yeah, as I just said before, like we had like these two guys stepping in, uh, playing drums for us over in the US. So yeah, I mean, like, uh, Maybe I could imagine that, but the thing is, like, very often when we tour, like, with, to take an example, that tour we did now, you know, that was everything was kind of connected. I guess, like, technically, yeah, we could do, uh, even if we do a tour that's connected like that, we could do like Europe. And then, you know, when we arrive over there, there's another drama waiting or whatever. But it also feels pretty nice like when you do such a long stretch that it's kind of the same people you go on with instead of you know we did europe and there was literally one day off between europe and canada and that was just like a travel day so if we also had to like kind of put practice in with a new person before the next round of show, round of show that can be a little hard sometimes You have just mentioned that you have by now played more than a thousand shows with Hexes. Yeah. Um, is the is the myth true that you on several occasions play two shows a day? We did that before, and maybe we will do it again. You know, I like that kind of stuff. But the thing is that I guess so. Last time we did this is like almost five years ago when we toured like in the earlier years of the band. We did it quite often, but also back then, uh, I guess you know it was a little more simple for us because first of all, the usual hexes set back then was like we played literally twenty minutes a night. So let's say we will do two shows in one day. It will literally just be like forty minutes in total, mm. and the whole life setup was like way more simple nowadays when we play we play usually 40 minutes uh, a night and we have way more gear like we have um, a way bigger light setup and we run some backing track and stuff like that so i think especially for a bass player looker who is a guy setting up all the light stuff and all that i think he he seems a little skeptical nowadays about doing the two shows in uh, in one day thing because there's so much more work for us now doing a show. But I don't know. Maybe we'll do it again someday. I guess like if it uh, if it makes sense. Uh, you know, sometimes you see some bands playing uh, festivals, and you know, who knows? Let's say maybe we're gonna get uh, a cool festival off the same day as we have another festival maybe we will do it like we could play one of them early in the afternoon and the other one in the night mm. so but yeah we, we have done it uh, a couple of times in the past i mean correct me if i'm wrong but i think i have by now seen two hexes tour announcements which both were amazingly long and i think I mean, like I've seen more than two, but I think on two of those announcements, I have seen empty spots where you said like, like question mark, like we want to play, but we don't know where yet. Um, I know you managed to set up dates for basically every night, but how 
does it make you feel when you go on tour and let's say you go for a hundred gig run and you know that on five of those dates you don't have a gig by now how does it make you feel uh it, it depends i mean also like uh i mean i will say sometimes when there's like a cba or whatever on a poster sometimes it's because we know that there's a show uh booked but we cannot announce it to take an example that tour run we just did over in Mexico. We were playing two Mexico City shows, but we were not allowed to announce the second one before we had played the first one. So, because, you know, the thing is like, Mexico City is a big city, so you can play two shows there, but obviously we didn't, we wanted the first and main show to turn out as strong as possible. So we literally played the first one. The next one was five days later. So we could first announce the next one. Then also take an example. Like today, we just announced the showcase we were playing over in Slovenia. It's literally by the end of next month. And we knew that we are booked for it quite some time. But that one we could also first announce today. So sometimes it has something to do with that. But I would say like when it comes to off days and tour, I think it, it depends on a couple of things. Like uh, to take an example, uh, the first off days we had on the latest tour, like technically off days where we didn't have to either fly or drive, you know, just could stay in one city and chill. That was over in Brazil. And I think it was Brazil. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And that, that felt honestly really, really good because at that point we had already been out for like two months, I think at that point. And also to have an off day in Brazil is something that was really, really cool because I mean, how often do I get over to Sao Paulo? Yeah. But I would say like having an off day in whatever small city in Germany or France or whatever doesn't seem too interesting to me. And I guess also, you know, to take an example, like the US run we did, we had like a couple of shows with getting canceled pretty last minute and i remember like when the first of them got canceled i didn't really mind because again we had been out for so long so it was nice to chill a little but i remember there was like one week over there like where we only played like four shows in seven days and i remember on the second and third off day i was starting to being a little tired of having you know so many days off in a row mm. because it was like the last part of the tour and I honestly just wanted to smash in as many shows as possible before going home for some time, I guess. So, yeah, it depends from uh, each part of the world and how long we have been out at, at that point, I guess. Can you name the number of countries that your band has played in by now? How many countries? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, if you go to a website, hexisband.net, literally we have every uh, shows written down that we yeah. ever played. So, I mean, technically I could go in there and count, but honestly, I'm not sure. I can't remember on top of my head, but it's it's quite some places. <laughs> well, that might be a little task for all those people out there. If you <laughs> give us the correct number of countries that Hexis has played in by now, We'll throw in a goodie for you, but you must be first to write it down here in the comments. You know, I'm, I'm very sure we figure something out with, with Philip um, or yeah. with our own merchandise. Um, Philip, 
when we were talking before, we spoke about one thing that seems to be very, very important of a band. And I would like to, to focus on that a little bit. Your band seems to be one of those prime examples of the DIY ethos. Like we do it ourselves as much as possible. Is yeah. that something that is really important to you? I guess to to some extent, I mean, I will say, I mean, I definitely feel proud of what we have achieved with Hexes. And I mean, obviously, uh, most of it is stuff we have done by ourselves. So that, you know, I, I feel like, you know, in, in some way it's important also, also because, you know, I have such a, I guess, clear idea of everything I want to do. Mm -hmm. But also, I guess, something I kind of had, had to realize over the last couple of years is that by the help of certain people then we have also been able to achieve things that probably i will not have been able to do by myself mm -hmm. to take an example literally right now we are booked for like i think 10 different summer festivals and the majority of these are quite big, like uh, which one did we announce already? Like to take an example, like we announced that Resurrection Fest in Spain and yesterday we are around Damnation Festival and we have a couple of more of these coming up. And the thing is that I didn't book any of these by myself. Uh, I don't know, maybe I could if I really tried, but we, so we are, we're having this guy now who is literally, he knows a lot of, important people that I don't know personally. So now we took him on and he literally got us a lot of big festivals, which also paid quite well, uh, stuff that we haven't been able to uh, do by ourselves. So I don't know, maybe uh, I still prefer to do a lot of things by myself, but I'm maybe also starting to realize a little that getting in some people who have some contacts I don't have might be also a good thing to do but i would still say that there's definitely a lot of things i mean I, I never think with this band i just could say like hey uh here we have a manager guy he sold everything i just have to scream in a mic that that will definitely never happen but mm -hmm. like getting in some some helping hands from here and there that's definitely something we're looking a little more into now let me guess, you guys don't have a tour manager, do you? Nah, that that's... I mean, it, it depends on where we're touring. So mm -hmm. when we usually... I mean, when we tour in Europe and the majority of the places where, where we tour around, like, I'm the tour manager. But to take an example, like, when we just we just did Mexico now, uh, we had, like, one guy, he actually booked all the shows over there. Mm -hmm. He was a tour manager. And the driver, so he was literally in charge of everything. Uh, mm -hmm. So the only thing I did there was literally just like selling a merch and yeah, playing the concerts, I guess. When you give away a little bit of that control to other people, do you then take care of who it is? Like, are you careful with whom you choose? Yeah, definitely. I mean, honestly, uh, we tried to work with some people in the past uh, where I definitely not were happy about what what they did. Uh, I just feel like 
I mean, obviously, I appreciate people who wanted to help out with the band, but I also tried like people in the past who wanted to do stuff for us. And I very quickly realized that what they did, I could do better by myself. Mm. So I definitely feel like after have after we uh, experienced that uh, a couple of times, that definitely made me a little more careful. I guess like how we kind of do it now if we're taking some new people maybe gonna be like giving letting them doing a tiny bit at first and if that goes well then mm -hmm. you know kind of i guess maybe we yeah i don't know i would say uh maybe need a little time to build up trust or whatever you want to say before like yeah, it's it's, it's like delegating jobs step by step right i guess so you can yeah i guess you can say so yeah so I, I mean, to take an example, if whatever person I never met just came out of the blue and said, hey, let me do this and that and that and that for your band, I would say like, no way, I'm not going to trust that. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, Is and I guess probably also uh, to take an example, now I mentioned that guy, uh, which now is booking some bigger festivals for us and stuff like that. I mean, obviously I've seen uh, some of the work he have done before, like to take an example, he is booking for you probably know the band Celeste. Mm, heard heard her name, yes. Yeah. But to take an example, like he is that booker guy and he's doing management for them. And you know, it's like a similar band in a genre and you're doing a lot of cool things. So obviously from seeing what he have done from them, that makes me kind of trust that he will do something good for us as well. So mm. see, I don't know. I guess like uh try to be careful and kinda feel uh you know after doing this for a lot of years i kind of know uh, how to feel uh, how to how to do say in english like how feeling to my do you mean like how to evaluate your own feelings and the people in front of you yeah no yeah i guess like usually after meeting a lot of people i i know i kind of quick who to trust in the of doing the the thing if you know what i mean yeah you can so, you you, you know you learned over the years yeah i think you 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 just simply learn to to see people for what they are more quickly right yeah i guess yeah um sure. those people that you work with i mean like how do you choose them? What do they have to have? Is it a certain ethos? Is it what what do you cherish more? People who share the same ideas as you or people who have amazing connections? It depends. I mean, to take an example, I feel like, you know, I mean, going back to the whole booking thing, you know, I've been doing it for so many years and I kind of know how to I guess getting shows in most parts of the world, but I kind of feel like a little what we maybe have been struggling with with Hexes was like getting a lot of these big festivals booked. I mean, we definitely played some of them, uh, which we also, you know, what what we kind of saw from playing some big festivals. To take an example, like uh, last year we played a festival over in Serbia called Exit Festival, mm -hmm. and honestly, all club shows or the Y shows, whatever we had played in Serbia, 
the earlier years have never really been that good. We played so many shows in Serbia just for a small amount of people. But then after doing that big festival, the next uh, DIY club, whatever show we had there, we had a lot of people show up. So that, so I guess that kind of made us realize that definitely a good thing for a band like Hexes is playing a lot of festivals, mm -hmm. especially the big ones, because then when we are coming back and is playing our own smaller shows, more people will show up. Mm, but I also, you know, from doing all this booking for myself for so many years, I definitely figured out a lot of these bigger festivals can be very hard to book uh, if it's not a done by an agency who knows a lot of bigger, you know, people from working with other bigger people, whatever. So I will say, like, what is important for me to take in somebody helping out with the booking is definitely that that person have a lot of the right contacts. Because otherwise, you know, I could just do it by myself. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, the only reason for us to take in, I mean, obviously, it's also nice to uh, save a little of my own time, even if I, I love doing the booking stuff. But I feel like for a band like Hexes, if, if we need somebody helping us out with the booking stuff, then it's not so much for saving time. Then it's, then it's mostly because it's a person who can get us shows that I'm not able to get by myself. But of course, you know, we also want uh, the, it to be a person who understands what the, the band is about. Uh, not like, you know, I mean, we're definitely interested in going out and playing a lot of festivals, which have, so take an example also today, we literally just announced, uh, announced the showcase over in Slovenia, which a lot of rap and pop artists, stuff like that, we're also interested in doing. So that's also cool, but I would still say that, you know, it's it's also important that it's a person who understand what the band is about i guess but yeah in the booking game probably mostly somebody who can get stuff done that i'm that i'm not able to do by myself so when you do the booking yourself how do you go about do you guys make like a plan okay we have like we want to go to this city to that state to that country and do you then look for the clubs yourself or how do you do that uh, it depends. I mean, uh, you know, when we start, you know, quite often then we receive mails from different bookers who is like, to take an example, oh, somebody write us the next time uh, you guys are looking for a show in this city, hit me up. And then, you know, I saved the contact so I kind of know who to hit up. And, you know, I, I also spend quite some time at when other bands announce to us and just like looking at these tour plans and very easily if there's a tour post out there it's quite easy to go and find the all the contacts so yeah. it's usually i will say that when when we do a tour like we usually try to plan it around us going to some cities where we had like a good experience in the past and then hitting up a few new spots as well so um so let's say yeah the what will be a good example like uh, yeah the latest european tour we did uh I guess that one was like a pretty standard road, like around Germany, Netherlands, Belgium, Austria, Italy. Yeah, all these standard spots. So on that one, we uh, we kind of had a handful of cities we wanted to go back to. And we also wanted to go to a few new ones. So 
yeah, I kind of knew who to hit up about it. And yeah, back and forward, I guess. So let's think about it. You, If you could name three cities in Europe and three cities on the American continent uh, that you have not played in yet, yeah. that you would be interested in playing. For everybody out there, Philip, who, which cities would you like to to play? That's a good question. I mean, I know. honestly, I think one of the few countries we are we haven't played yet in Europe. That is, what the fuck is the capital of Montenegro called? Something with P. I forgot the name. Pristina. I can't remember. Anyway, so I'll, I'll, I'll look it up for you. I will say just in general, like I would really like to get a show booked in Montenegro. I don't know if it's going to be a good show, but mostly because it's literally probably one of the last countries we haven't played in Europe. So it's more like to get that one locked in. So that will be really cool. Uh, yeah, okay. That one will be cool. I don't know. Maybe the show will suck, but I would still like to go there. Uh, so one. what else? Yeah, that's one. Um, what else for Europe? The thing is that honestly, I feel like with Europe, we, we probably played like most of the cities that that will have been cool to go to. To take an example, like back in the summer, we played over at Malta. That's something I wanted to go to forever. I mean, the show was not the best, but that one kind of got crossed off the list there. Um, yeah, what else? Actually, I think like. For Europe, we probably played like all the cool cities. I mean, what? that maybe there will be uh what will that be? I can't really think of too much for Europe. I, I can I can cool. definitely tell you something for the US since we have played. Okay, so it is up. Probably but by the way, every uh, every European booker who's just heard this, it does not mean that they don't want to play in your town. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of places in Europe, like, I would like to go back to, like, we haven't played Athens in Greece for some time. We haven't played Bucharest for some time. This is literally two of my favorite cities in all of Europe, so we want to go back. And see, to those are three cities that are not that far away from, from each other. But we already people, played so... that before. But yeah. <laughs> that makes a good round. Yeah. Uh, for I'll the throw US... in a little bit of... of uh... Of Tirana, flow thrown a little bit of Thessaloniki, no. Sofia, you know, and you already have a tour. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for Europe, the US, and the US? I will say for the US, probably on the top three of most places I actually want to play in the whole world, that's probably going to be Honolulu uh, in Hawaii. Oh. That'll be fucking sick. I, yeah, I really hope we can go there someday. We are supposed to play there some years ago when we had a US tour plan but that one ended up being cancelled and then another u.s city that's probably going to be the capital of alaska uh, i'm not Anchorage. sure if I'm spending... yeah exactly yeah these two for sure uh of all i'm not sure if anchorage is the capital but it's the biggest it's... city yeah yeah i think yeah it's that one and what fairbanks is like the two big cities over there uh yeah but yeah, definitely uh, uh, Honolulu and Anchorage uh, and a third one that we haven't played. Uh, what will that be? Mm, 
what will that be? I can't really think of the third one. Uh, I think we're like, both wrong. The state capital. Okay, of actually, okay, you know. really, uh, the, this tour we just went to now. We played two shows in Florida, but it was like mainly like the smaller cities. A city I would really like to go to as well will be Miami. I think that would be cool as well. Haven't been there before. So depending on be... when you're there, it's really hot. But it's a cool city. Yeah. I act in general, like I mean now I just said uh, Alaska, I guess pretty cold over there, but in general, like then I I think I uh, prefer the warmer destinations when it comes to touring. So like right from Denmark, it's so fucking cold. So uh, <laughs> yeah. For, for transparency, everybody out there, we're recording this on in the evening of uh, January 16th. And um, where I live here in central Germany, um, the school that my daughter goes to and where I unfortunately work as well, uh, uh, the, our school is not having to, it's not having uh, lessons tomorrow because it's, that little bit of snow, and that's already enough here. So yeah. I don't want to know how it is in Denmark or uh, to our friends in Sweden and Norway. I heard that you are having summer temperatures only with I a mean, minus in front of it. <laughs> I mean, the weather is kind of changing from day to day, but I mean, it's quite snowy outside and mm. yeah. Um, When we're talking about destinations that you want to play and destinations that you have already played and would like to go back to. Um, what were like maybe the most interesting places that you went to on this last tour? Which cities amazed you? I think especially, I mean, I would say actually one of my favorite shows we had on the whole tour that was in Guatemala city uh, in, in the country Guatemala. Uh, I was sadly sick most of my stay over there so I spent some quite some time in bed but I remember like the show we played like we played over there on a Sunday and I think it was maybe 200 people and people was how do you say like people was very enthusiastic if I don't know if that's the right word but yeah was really into the show and you know sometimes you just play these shows uh, like of course you can maybe play like a huge show and you don't really feel any connection with the audience but we played the show over there on a sunday it's like 200 people and i definitely feel that night there was a very strong connection between us and the band it was one of these i don't know how to explain it one of these like special moments where everything just kind of fall into place like exactly how you wanted to so that made like a big impression for me sadly i didn't have like as i said like too much time to see the city but still say like the the few walks i got to take around town gave me like a pretty nice uh, impression of the country also uh, sao paulo we had some days off was also cool over there i went out uh, a couple of nights and yeah seems like a, a cool place for sure and what else the things like also you know when when we go out and do a lot of these tours especially when we have such a tight schedule then a lot of times i don't really get to see as much stuff as i would like to there's so many days like you know i kind of prioritize sleep over actually going out and seeing much so 
so yeah i don't know i kind of feel like uh, that i'm maybe not in the in the right position to to judge a lot of these places because i didn't get to see a lot of them but I will say if we're talking about not this exact show we just did now, but the other one we did earlier this year, probably one of the coolest places I've ever been to, which we played on that show, was French Polynesia. Oh, French. Okay. Yeah, that was really fun. Cool. We had some days off there. We had this house right next to the beach. And it almost felt like uh, some kind of dream holiday where we played a show as well. And then also at the same show, we also played uh, East Timor, Timor-Leste, which was probably also one of the most craziest experience ever. Like we were like the first international band ever to play over there. They had never been been one before. So people had, had never seen a metal band from another country. So like 3,000 people came out there. That was quite crazy. <laughs> Superstars. We... What? Superstars. <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. Uh, but and then yeah, before the show, we the promoter took us out to see a lot of things, and yeah, I would say like probably uh, I would say East Timor and France Polynesia is probably on my uh, top list of places we have been to this year. Have you ever played the Philippines? Yeah, we played that as well in this tour. Uh, which was a very uh, hectic experience. It was pretty much like, I think if I remember, what did we play before? I remember we arrived over there and we were so fucking tired. Pro probably the night before we just went straight to the airport. So we arrived over there and slept a few hours when we arrived, we got to play and then straight back to the airport again. So this time was literally just seeing a few hours at a hotel playing the concert and then to the next country. But we also went there in 2017, where we literally had a whole week over there. So on that show, we got to see more. And yeah, I mean, it's a cool country. I like it over there. Honestly, I feel like m most of Asia in general, like especially as a touring band, is, is, is a, a super cool experience. It's literally one of my favorite places in the whole world to, tour, to make tours around. I think I, I've read somewhere that by now you only need shows in Arctica and Antarctica. Otherwise, you have all continents, don't you? We have, we never toured uh, Africa before. Ah, then, then I miss. Oh, then it was probably Antarctica and Africa that is that I just mixed up in my head. But Pro probably, yeah, yeah. That, let me guess. That is one one big goal then, right? Africa. Yeah, I mean, we're actually trying to go there this year. We hope, hopefully, we can go there by the end of this year. We're at the moment. I'm in contact with some different people, so we'll see if we manage to work something out. You know, it, it definitely feels like it's a lot harder to uh, make a tour over there compared to other parts of the world. You know, first of all, there's not as many people booking shows, but also, you know, flying from when you tour around Asia, you can get so many cheap flights from country to country. Literally, you can fly from, I don't know, like uh, Malaysia to Thailand for almost no money. But if you want to tour around Africa, a lot of these countries, the flights are so fucking expensive. Mm -hmm. 
and the payments is also very limited so it it definitely require some more work to put it together in a stable way i guess mm. and then again the question is like how much sense does it make if you play like two three four concerts on a whole continent right no i mean you can actually uh play quite quite some shows like to take an example in i mean i know some bands who did south africa alone and they did literally i don't know eight nine shows in two weeks over there but I think more like the normal way for bands to do South Africa is more like you play just two, three shows over there. I don't know how many we will do, but if we do uh, these South Africa shows, we'll probably also try to book Botswana, Kenya, Morocco, Madagascar, some of these other countries around. So I don't yeah, know, maybe we like... Morocco again we... was, was like the offshot on your list, but otherwise, yeah, there are enough countries down there. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Probably we will try to go there for like a month or so. Probably, probably take an okay amount of off days actually on this one. Maybe do I don't know like twenty shows in a month or so. so. Sounds like a holiday for your measures and standards. Almost, but the thing is, like, that's also one thing that makes uh, that part of the world a little more tricky. To take an example, as far as I understood of like talking to a promoter from Botswana, is that. You can only play shows on the weekend over there. So it's probably going to be a lot of like playing Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Then you need a few days off before the next thing. And wow. so, so, yeah, it's we'll see like what way it's going to work out uh, the best, I guess. I guess that touring the world and seeing bits of the world is like one of the major driving forces behind your band. Yeah. Are there yeah. other things as well, you know, apart from seeing the world, going places? What drives Hexes to do that kind of crazy amount of dedication? I mean, obviously, writing the music, to take an example, like we have quite a lot of new music written right now. And I'm honestly, I'm listening to these demos all the fucking time because I, I personally think it, it sounds so fucking sick. So, even if it's only a demos and you know just like i think writing music that makes me excited and yeah i guess uh, i guess that's also a big reason for doing it i guess also like i mean in some way also from traveling all around the world i mean as i said like on a lot of the tours it's a limited what we get to see but i will definitely also say like from touring this much uh, i met a lot of people all around the world that nowadays i consider quite some good friends of mine mm -hmm. so i guess also like it's also a nice way to build up friendships all around the globe so would you say that it's easier or would you guess that it's easier for a touring band nowadays than let's say 30 years ago I mean, I didn't tour by myself 30 years ago, but what, what I'm hearing from people who used to tour back then is that it was harder back then because I guess, you know, back then when you booked the tour. So I actually, the latest, the last couple of European runs we did, we had a driver with us called Janos, a guy from Austria. He's this old punk guy who, who have been touring for the last 
30 plus years and he told me like back when he started his band and they were going out to do tours around the world he was usually like sending out letters like to get shows booked because yeah. there was not really the internet to book it so i mean i can only imagine how it worked back then like all the posts you had to send out and then wait for an answer and it definitely sounds like it was a lot more complicated but at, at the same time then i guess probably less bands were touring back then because it was so much more complicated to put together so maybe the shows back then maybe it was easier to get people out to concerts because of that i guess so yeah, yeah i don't know uh, i mean i would say like for hexes like going out touring now is, is definitely a lot easier compared to when we started but i think that that have more to do with you know that we have been a band for some time kind of build up and we have been building up the name i still remember like when i booked our first tour ever like where nobody knew about us like sent out so fuck many mails and almost didn't get any responses and most of the people who responded was just like no so at least now it, it's it's not too complicated for me to i mean i know if you want to go out and do a tour it, it, it should not be a huge uh a, as as much work to put together as it was back then so before we talk about some other aspects of your band's do-it-yourself approach, of course, I have to ask, best and worst experience on tour that you ever have? And and having your drummer leave 20 minutes before your slot, of course, qualifies <laughs> as the worst. But we already had that, so you have to give us the second worst experience. Second worst. Okay, actually, I can think of one which probably was worse than a drummer leaving. Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's on the same level. <laughs> okay, but, that sounds like like devastating yeah. catastrophe. Actually, okay. I, actually, actually, I told this story, this story quite some time, but when we did our first European tour ever, we played the show in Serbia and there was next to no people there. So I was just like, okay, I don't really give a fuck tonight. So I just smashed a whole bottle of vodka which i obviously got quite drunk from so we played the concert and i was completely shit-faced and there was this chain going from the stage to the top of the roof and i decided to uh, crawl all the way to the top three meters up and i was singing upside down while doing my vocal part and while i was singing there the whole chain broke so i flew down with my head First, all the way through a table, which completely broke, and then sweat, smashed my head to the concrete floor. And all the other guys thought I was dead. Uh, but then after some time, I uh, woke up. And everybody was drunk, so nobody could drive. Plus, everybody told us that the, the uh, hospitals in Serbia will be shut. So we waited until the next day, and the guys uh, took me to the hospital in Hungary and I, uh, I arrived there and they checked me and they said I got a fractured skull so um, obviously I could not continue the tour so I was told that I needed to spend one month in bed um, and I ended up staying at this hospital in Hungary for a week and I talked to my insurance back home and at first he said they wanted to bring me bring me back home again. But after they figured out that I had been drinking alcohol, then they didn't want to do anything. So after spending 
a week there. My father and uh, another guy from my family, they drove all the way to Hungary and picked me up and drove me back home. So I first spent a week in bed in Hungary and then three weeks in bed back home. So that was a pretty tough experience. Yeah, the other guys, the uh, played a few shows uh, without me after that. Uh, I think like they had a driver and that's who are doing some some vocals. And then the last week they just canceled and drove back home. So I feel that is uh, probably one of the worst touring experience ever. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. Yeah. Best experience. Uh, that's and you don't have to name a city, just explain what made it the best. Because if you name a city, then of course all the other cities in that country are going to be like, no, we're... Uh, I don't know. In some way, when, you know, I remember something that made like a huge impression on me that was like, so we did a tour at Cuba like 10 years ago. And back then, you know, we only used to play like super small shows in front of, I don't know how many people, maybe just small audiences most nights. But that's over in Cuba, we played for, I don't know, like 500 to 800 people a night. And since back then, we have definitely played a lot of bigger shows. But back then, we have never tried it before. So I remember uh, the feeling of playing these shows back then was was kind of crazy to me. Probably it will make less of a big impression on me now if I had to go there compared to back then. But I definitely, you know, thinking back at what I felt about that back then was definitely a very big deal for me. Also stuff like playing Roskiller Festival back then, you know, I've never, you know, that was, you know, to play at that festival was like a dream for me back then. So I remember like, first of all, receiving the mail that we we're going to play there and then also standing on the stage playing there. Probably, honestly, I think looking, thinking back at the show, I don't think we did a super good show as a band because none of us really had any experience playing like on a big stage, but I guess for my own uh, ego or whatever you want to call mm -hmm. it. It was, yeah, I probably, probably gave me something. <laughs> uh, but I will say like stuff like this, is like two things that's coming to my mind. These two for sure. Looking at, at your touring ethos and everything, another thing that we should mention is of course, the question of, how much control do you have of your of your releases? Do you do, for example, the covers yourself? How much influence do you have on everything related to your musical output? So we own all the rights to our music. Like the latest album we did, we actually did sign like a license contract mm -hmm. with a label but we broke with that label and now they gave us all the rights back so every time when somebody play a music on spotify whatever all the releases says and they are all the money go 100 percent to us from that and when it comes to like the visual aesthetic usually it's me who have uh, some ideas but i don't know how to do take pictures or to graphical stuff. So to take an example, like with our latest album, Ed Turner, which is like the cross with the snakes on. Yeah. I literally told the guys who took the pictures that I want a cover who looks like this. I want it to be a huge cross with snakes on and I want everything around it to be completely dark. 
And I remember like when I told them what I wanted, I expected what I would get back from them to look very, very different. So, but actually what I got back from them, I was so surprised that what you actually sent to me looked almost like the same as I mentioned in my head. So that's like one of the first times I've tried to uh, tell other people what I wanted and what I got back looked so close to what I had imagined. So, but yeah, usually like that. And to take an example, I don't know if you have seen like the vinyl version of the album, but like all the stuff with like on the back of it, there's this, um, when you tip the cover, you can see a logo. There's some print inside of the pockets with all the lyrics yeah. going down. Like all these things is like my ideas. Like I'm like, I want this there, I want that and blah, blah, blah. And then I, literally the people who is doing the layout for them i try to be as precise as possible of what i want and then hopefully they manage to pull it off as as close to what i had in mind but that again means that i mean like okay you give away a little bit of that yeah control but that also means that before you give away a lot of that control you must probably sit down for whatever amount of time and really like think really hard about what you want to have in order to be the result as as close as possible to your idea right yeah for sure i mean honestly my brain is constantly uh overthinking stuff all the time because i don't know i'm very you when it comes to both music art and you know sometimes you know i'm sometimes i have a lot of ideas but other times i'm I'm really struggling to come up with something which in my mind sound sound or look cool or whatever so you know i'm trying to think all the time oh what are we going to do for the next release or whatever to take an example we have a lot of new music written right now but I have to say that I'm very uh, low on ideas of what I want the artwork to look like. So I hope before we have to come up with an idea that something cool strikes my mind because I know just like to take an example, if I'm just going to let whatever guy come up with something, I'm definitely not going to be satisfied with it. So, so yeah, we'll see. Sorry, folks, just had to unmute myself for a second. Um, you say that you are now clearer about what you want and everything. This this um, this feeling of being able to give away things, is that something that grew on you where you say like, okay, I had to come to a certain spot or to a certain time in my career or in our career where I was able to also trust people a little bit more? Did it take a lot of time for you? I guess so. I mean, like, honestly, I think for the majority of Hex's in, uh, existence, I've been very close-minded about a lot of things. You know, I want everything to be like an exact thing. You know, everything had to be in this kind of box and not too much outside of that. I think like... I mean, both musically, but also when it comes to artwork and how things 
had to be done. And I feel like over the last couple of years, I definitely, uh, I would say I got a little more open-minded, like to do things that maybe I not will agree on too earlier. I mean, a lot of it is like, to take an example, right now we are writing music and we are trying out a lot of new things that probably I not will have liked years ago. But mm-hmm. also, uh, I feel like when we write right now, I want to, when I'm kind of like, if somebody have an idea, even if I'm very skeptical about if it's going to work or not, I still want to try it out because, you know, sometimes you can be, surprised about what Excel is going to work. Uh, and I guess also right now I'm trying out a lot of new things like vocal wise and some of the stuff I'm trying is very different from what I've done earlier. And I'm thinking a lot like, ah, is this going to fit into Excel? But also I'm kind of at a point where I'm like, okay, is this going to sound, Is does this sound cool in my mind? And then I want to do it. I don't want to overthink too much of, it has to be this exact way because also, you know, we have been around for like 13 years. It, you know, you have to start to do something a little different instead of just repeating the same things over and over again. So the next record is going to have features by Drake and Taylor Swift, right? Maybe, who knows? We'll see. <laughs> Maybe. We're but honest, have- honestly, um, like, of course, those two are never gonna happen because your your band yeah. is just way too good for both of them. But um, would you are are you like are you guys as a band able to tip your toes into really other genres? Like, for example, do some kind of classic rock track or some kind of pure pop punk thing, whatever. You know what I mean. Do you think I mean, you'd be able to dip your toe into that kind of genre? Nah, I don't. I, probably not something like that. But I mean, to take an example, if you look at a latest album compared to the old stuff, yeah. I definitely feel like you can uh, see some new in. You can hear some new influences on that one. You know, we have all that. To take an example, like the last record, the last song on the record is, I guess, pretty much like dark, uh, atmospheric, yeah. ambient stuff, and. That is not something we really have done before. So that was all already like a, a new thing. And I guess probably also some parts of the record is more hardcore than what we have done earlier, where the other stuff mm-hmm. is probably even more metal. And some of the new stuff we do now, I mean, uh, I don't know exactly how to describe it, but it's definitely going into some, I will say, some new genres that we really haven't been playing too much around with before. I mean, I don't want to say too much because, you know, so much stuff can change in it before it's actually recorded. So I don't want to sit and say, oh, the next record gonna be with this and that. And then maybe we don't even use it in there. Yeah. Like right now we have 16 demo tracks and we're gonna do more soon. So probably not even half of the tracks gonna make it by then, but we, we de- I will definitely say like the new stuff we do now, we, we're playing around with a lot of inspirations from genres that we never really have been trying before. So uh, last thing before we come to our infamous quickfire round, I mean, like you've been touring the globe, you've probably seen several hundreds of local support bands and you've you've seen a lot of different scenes indirectly. Yeah. Uh, has 
any of those scenes, any of those bands, any of those experiences had a clearly audible influence on what your band wrote? The new stuff, you mean? In general. I mean, like, throughout those 10 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, hmm. I mean, I would say like a lot of the new music we take inspiration from is, I don't really think much of the inspiration is coming from local bands who have played with anything, but I guess like, you know, one of the first bands Hexes we ever toured with, that was Celeste. And I mean, even if, we don't take too much inspiration from them anymore. You know, that band has definitely shaped the whole overall sound of Hexes, I will say. Yeah. So, you know, that was like, I think Hexes show number seven or eight, that was as a part of a tour we did with Celeste. So I definitely feel like, you know, their music and the guys in the band and how they do everything has definitely shaped Hexes in, in a lot of ways. But that, yeah. you know, that's so long ago and, you know, yeah. <laughs> Philip, first of all, thanks for all the insights and the thoughts and how you go about things. Maybe a few people out there have learned a little bit on how to, how to be a little bit more DIY with their own band. But of course, nobody leaves the Veil of Sound interviews without going through our infamous quickfire round. I will not explain the rules anymore because this is our 115th uh, video. So if you don't know how it works, go back and check out some of the other ones. But as you've mentioned, Celeste, let's start off with them directly. I'll give you two of their records and you have to choose. Uh, one of the more recent ones, Assassins, or Assassins probably in French, uh, versus uh, one of the older ones, Martinez. I gotta go with Martinez. I think that's their uh, their best record. That that record, I I don't even know how many times I've been playing that record on repeat. It's probably I'm probably gonna be one of my most listening to records ever. <laughs> mm. I also think the new one is great, but I feel like older Celeste is probably more my thing. It's also probably more both our thing because i mean we both know that usually the first one or two records that you hear by a band are the ones that you're gonna like best that's just the way it it's is. true but i think i mean most needs that is like the fourth records it is yeah was it the first and one i think what's well, is was it the first or the second one that you listened to or did you know their stuff before I mean, I, I literally started listening to Celeste right when they released the first one. I remember there was this uh, record label called Dinovali Records. Yeah. Uh, still around. Shout yeah, out to around, our friends but, in Essen. But it's it's completely different now. Now it's more like a jazz label. But uh, when it started back then, it was literally just screamo bands. And, you know, Celeste started out as a screamo band. So I remember, like, following everything. Back, back in the years, I was more of a screamo kid, I would say. And I was listening to all these Dinovali bands, and Celeste was like one of them I discovered, and I was stoked right away. So that just made me follow the band and literally bought everything they released. But yeah, I you know I, I love Celeste since day one, but my favorite one is the fourth album from them, Mortisness. Mortisness. As you're Danish, I will give you a comparison. 
Which band do you think is harder? Our friends in LLNN or the veterans from Chicago in Indian? Which band I'm is gonna harder? Go I like LLNN better, but I also have to say that I never really listened too much to Indian. But I mean, I heard some tracks, uh, but it's never really a band I've been uh, uh, digging too much into. But I think literally LNN is one of the best bands to ever come out of Denmark. I mean, both in records and, on, and in a live setting. Yeah. I mean, like, I still remember their live show. And was it two years ago, three years ago, two years ago at, at Roadburn? They were playing one of the first shows in the afternoon. And I felt as if the building would be collapsing upon us all because it was so yeah. amazingly heavy. And yet yeah. one could hear everything in in the song. So that was amazing. Yeah. When we talk to somebody who knows his stuff, of course, let's go back some old school. Um, I chose this one because you're going to play a show with them later this year with one of those two. Nails versus Unbroken. Uh, honestly, I mean, I know Unbroken by name, but I honestly, I, I I'm not sure I've ever checked out the music. I uh, I don't know what it sounds like. Probably some it's, sludgy stuff, right? Or... No, it's it's very hardcoreish. It's very uh, hardcoreish. Okay. okay, then it's I one don't of those, know what the band sounds It's like. one of those Cali scene bands, but uh, okay. so. Do you like Nails? Because you're playing with them at Damnation this year. Yeah. It's actually funny. I remember, like, first time I heard Nails. I mean, that's many years ago. And then at first, I didn't really like it. But then I saw them live at Ruscular Festival. And that that actually really convinced me. I was like, okay, this is a really fucking solid band. So, so yeah, I mean, I do like the band. I uh, It's not really something I listen too much to on records, but... I'm definitely excited about seeing them play at uh, that festival. I'm not sure whether you are into either of those, but I thought, you know, if we talk about Unbroken, then those next two bands are quick connections. Swing Kids versus The Locust. A little bit of free 1G. I gonna, honestly, I, I don't like Swing Kids too much. I... Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's not too much my thing, but I love the Locust, uh, and I saw them a couple of times, and that band is so fucking sick. I mean, what's sick? The, the drama is dead now, so yeah. I guess the band is over, but yeah, I remember like the two times I saw them was like some of the tightest I I have ever seen a band play. That yeah, was so fucking definitely. impressive. So yeah, and I, I mean, like when you, when you think about how many shows they've spent under those masks, I mean, like, come on. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. You just mentioned or you just dropped the word sludge. So I'll give you two sludge bands from the States, both yeah. originally from Savannah, Georgia. Baroness versus Kylesa. I don't really like any of these two. <laughs> oh, that's but, honest, honestly, but, is always good. We like honesty here. But, um, uh, if I should pick one of these two, might going to go with Kylesa. I don't know. I mean, it could also be I just need to check out the two bands a little more. Uh, I mean, I actually think I saw both of them live, but it's so many years ago. And I don't know. I've, for some reason, that's never really catch my attention, I guess. Well, for, for all of you listeners out there, just drop Philip a, a list or like a record from both bands that he should check out. I would have 
preferences on both, but I won't give them to you. So drop us a comment so Philip knows what is his homework will be. Yeah. Um, two labels that both are not known for being very DIY with their bands, but who have a huge influence on the scene. And I just want to know if you could see your band joining either of those two. Relapse record versus nuclear blast. I definitely have a favorite, but also right now we're shopping for a new record label. So I don't know if I want to say one over another in case okay. that one label should like us. I don't know, but uh, okay. I, I don't know. Probably. Uh, no, don't say it. Don't say it. Nope. If you're okay. shopping labels, then we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Yeah. For for the old hardcore kit, Philip. Orchid versus Combat Wounded Veteran. What kit what bands again? Orchid? Yeah. Versus Combat Wounded Veteran. I'm gonna go with Orchid. That used to be uh when, when I mean I'm not listening too much to it nowadays, but like back in the MySpace days when I was listening to all these like Screamo, emo, violent stuff. That was a band that was very much on repeat for me. Yeah, for, for most of us, wasn't it? Some funny heavy metal from Norway. I like both bands, and don't ask me why, but I still like both of them. Although they also had parts in their discography and history where I say for both, like, mm. but Kvelertak versus Turbo Negro. I don't like any of them, honestly. I, think both <laughs> of them is, I like it's that. that I, yeah, it's 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 very far from my taste in music. <laughs> if you if you were playing a festival with either of them, would you watch them? Uh, I actually did watch Quilla Talk before, um, and I mean, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I will watch them if we played at a festival. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's. I guess it's kind of more like rock and rollish stuff. It's not so much yeah. my uh, cup of tea. Let's go way back before you were even born, I guess. Old Papa Me knows them. The early records of Slayer versus the early records of Metallica. Uh, what do you consider early? Like... Uh, because for honestly, Metallica, one of them, I, let's say for Metallica, everything up to and Justice for All, and for Slayer, everything up to, let's say, Seasons in the Abyss. Okay, because I mean, definitely my favorite Slayer record is God Hate Us All. I think that's such a sick record. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, but I also have to say, I mean, there's still like some older Slayer stuff I also like, but. That God Hate Us All record is definitely the one I've been listening the most to. And mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. Probably would, would you say that like... you would you say that you would choose those over any of the Metallica records? Because then probably, you have your yeah. answer. Yeah. But actually I would still say that I probably like Metallica's Kill Em All better than a lot of the old Slayer stuff. So good compromise. Yeah. Let's go to the last two genres that I sometimes feel have played a role in the sound of, of Hexes. I'm not sure how much of 
how much death metal you listened to. And I will not give you the classic death versus morbid angel question. Everybody has done that before. Cannibal corpse versus six feet under. Cannibal corpse. But I guess, I mean, I have to say I've never really been listening a lot to both bands, but mm -hmm. I remember like one of my latest experience with Cannibal Corpse was that I saw them play at a festival in probably 2018. And I actually got surprised about how much I liked it. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I'm thinking about when I'm thinking at six feet under is going to YouTube and laughing at some of the last couple of uh, records from them because the vocals sound so funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that band didn't age well. Honestly, I actually, I, I think it's not too long ago I went into YouTube just to listen to a song just for two minutes just to have a good laugh because just, uh, these vocals is like, yeah, I mean, it's it's quite funny, I think. <laughs> In a way, definitely, yeah. yeah. And I mean, like, one cannot deny the black metal aspect of Hexes. I, I think there is much more black metal than death metal in your sound. I hope you don't mind me saying oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. And let's go back to Scandinavia. And where do we go to Scandinavia if we talk black metal? Of course, we go back to Norway. Dark Throne versus Satyricon. Mm, I never really listened too much to Dark Throne. I, I remember like when I was younger, I was listening to some Satyricon, but it's also a band I haven't been paying too much attention to for pretty much forever, but I don't know. I guess I'm going to go with Satyricon, probably. Do you have, like, a favorite black metal band? Mm, I actually have to say I don't listen to a lot of black metal. I, I definitely mm -hmm. used to do more when I was younger. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess, like, a lot of the black metal music I like is more like other genres of music which have been taking inspiration from black metal. Mm -hmm. But probably if I should pick, like, a favorite black metal band, I would probably go with, even if it's also kind of experimental, I don't know if it's considered like real black metal or not, but I would probably go with Blue Dows Noir from France. Well, you know, if if those guys are not avant-garde black metal, then, okay, now the, the yeah, genre you know, hoppers you know, will some be like, of, some there is a lot of death metal in there. But yeah. you know, some of the records he did are like very experimental, I guess, more like MBN. Yeah. Yep. influence i but think my favorite one from them is that what is that record called it's like an older one it's called buddhist or is that only the song one of the songs on there no i think that's one of the songs uh if, if anybody asks me like i would say that that the first trilogy that they did you know that that was it 777 i think that's one of them yeah that so. that was that was an amazing game changer for me yeah and so. and let's be honest if you look at classic black metal it's hard to come up with something new in that genre i still have to say that you know bands like blut aus nord or wolves in the throne room panopticon mismore ulfa um, i think those are bands that changed the game for black metal and that made it more interesting and also bands i mean like a lot of people will hate me for it but i mean like death death heaven uh, I, I love that, that too I mean, they, they, they changed the game. Yeah. I mean, definitely like the demo and the first two albums is something I was listening a lot to. I haven't, haven't yeah. paid too much attention to the last couple of things he did, but yeah, the, the first couple of records was definitely on the repeat when they came out. Yeah. 
Definitely. Philip, thanks yeah. for your time. Thanks for all the insight. I hope the interview was as pleasurable for you as it was for me. Yeah. I hope, of course, yeah. for everybody out there, it was also a nice one. If you like us, give us a subscription. Don't forget to write down which record Philip has to listen to. Baroness or Kailessa, which one of theirs. Um, and if you like us, give us a subscription here on YouTube. Maybe go to our um, social media channels and find out more about us. That would be awesome. And otherwise, Philip, for you, your chance to, uh, yeah, for final last words. Oh, what should I come up with? Um, yeah. Catch us on the road somewhere in the future. We're probably going to play a sit in you. <laughs> that might be one of the best ways to end this. Philip, thanks for all your time. Enjoy your evening, my friend. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye.